with you all this morning. And if you took a look at your program and saw the first name Austin and then did a double take as you're looking, I'll address the elephant in the room. I am not your Pastor Austin. I'm a different Austin. I, I like to call in his absence. I'm the Austin 2.0. I'm a different model of the Austin. But thank you so much for inviting me to come be with you this morning as we are in the house of the Lord and continuing in worship. You know, this morning I was coming over from my apartment in Peachtree City, and as I was on my way out, I realized that I almost forgot something. My Bible. And I... As I was doing this, I was thinking about all of these things. Do you ever have a sneaky suspicion as you're leaving somewhere or as you're going somewhere that you've forgotten something? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've got three quick stories to tell you of things that I have forgotten and I had a sneaky suspicion. Uh, the first story is I was making a, a meal for my girlfriend for around Valentine's Day. And, uh, you know, it was, I made a braised short rib, and it was, it was really good. But I went to the store, and I, you know, got all the things that I needed, uh, well, I thought I needed. And so went back, started cooking, just to realize that I forgot a key ingredient. And you know what? It's so frustrating when you have to then go back to the grocery store uh, because you know you can't make do without it. And so in that meal, garlic is a really important thing. You can't forget the garlic. Uh, and here's a little bit of an embarrassing one. When I was a kid, I went to my grandparents' house for spring break. And they only lived an hour and a half away, uh, but I had a pack for the weekend. And I got there, and the worst possible thing forgot to pack. I forgot to pack my underwear for an entire week. Uh, And I was so embarrassed that I just kept reusing. Uh, Did not make that mistake ever again. Now I check like three times before I pack anywhere. Like, did I remember my underwear? And here's here's a story that actually happened to some other people that we knew. Uh, But friends of my parents went to the grocery store with their daughter. They got everything they needed, made it back home. And like an hour later, they realized they left their child in the grocery store. And so they had to go back. And so we all have these stories, right? Big and small of things that we have forgotten And what makes me feel more comforted in these stories is the fact that when we look at Scripture, when we look at the Bible, uh, this also happened in Jesus' family. Mary and Joseph have left Jesus behind. And so our passage for this morning comes to us from the Gospel according to Luke, and we are in chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, feel free to open up and read along with us. But hear the word of the Lord. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. 
After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I read this story, the first thing that comes to my mind is this. How on earth could Mary and Joseph lose Jesus? Right? How many of you guys read this passage and also think the same thing? Like, how on earth could he get lost? And what's happening, one thing to kind of take into note, if you read behind this custom of going to Jerusalem for the Passover, one thing that you'll learn is that you don't actually travel within your family pack. And actually, the boys which Jesus is coming of the age would actually kind of go ahead of the larger group or community that's traveling from a certain location. And so when I read this, okay, so maybe Jesus was a little further ahead and, you know, Mary and Joseph are, are staying behind and they just assumed that Jesus is with them. And when you think about that, the key word there is assume, right? Mary and Joseph assume that Jesus is with them on their trip back. And I wonder, as the church, if we, in everything that we do, assume that Jesus is with us. Assume that Jesus is with everything that we are doing. In reality, we've left him behind. To paint a picture of this, I had a friend who was working part-time as a youth pastor, and she had a full-time job doing uh, something in insurance, but she was working part-time for this church with their youth program. And so uh, one weekend, they, the session, their elders invited her to come along with them to a leadership retreat in which they were thinking big picture about their vision for the church moving forward. And this, uh, my friend sat in their meeting, which was three hours long, and heard these individuals talking about all the different things that they could do to improve the church, to increase attendance, to make the youth program more attractive to others, to go out in the community and serve more, and all of this. And my friend was just sitting in the background, observing. And the one thing she observed as they were talking about all of these things was, one, there was a lot of arguing and bickering going on. Everybody thought that they had their own idea of how to make the church better. And they all agreed that they wanted to make the church better, but they couldn't agree on how to go about doing that. But my friend Avery sat back and listened. And finally, 
as they're all arguing, and not even really paying attention to what she's doing, she go, there's a whiteboard in the back of the room, and she goes to the whiteboard, and in big letters, she writes J E S U S underline. And they all look at her. She goes, I have been sitting here listening for three hours, and not once has Jesus been mentioned. And not once in their meeting about how to go about improving the church was the name Jesus mentioned. And the thing is, we can be all types of things as a church. We can do many good things. We can have and foster a place where people experience rich and authentic community. We can be a place in which we support families as they raise their children up in the faith. We can be a place where we help our neighbors both locally in Griffin and afar to the ends of the earth. We can volunteer in food pantries. We can even create the best Sunday worship experience with the best choir and the best preaching and, you know, things that make you feel motivated. We can do all of these things that can attract people into our seats. But if our focus isn't centered and grounded in Christ and transformed through the cross and the resurrection, we've missed it. Again, if our focus isn't centered and grounded in Christ, and transformed through the cross and resurrection, we've missed it. If we look at the text for this morning, I notice that Jesus is lost even in the context of Mary and Joseph and the other individuals doing the religious duty, right? They have gone to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of the Passover. They're doing the right thing. They're doing, you know, quote-unquote church the way that they're supposed to do it. And even in doing what they believe they're supposed to do, they make the assumption that Jesus is with them and leave Jesus behind. The other thing that I notice is that in the context of community, we oftentimes make assumptions about either where people are, how people are doing, that end up skipping over how somebody is actually doing. You can have fun, you can be around people, and you can still get lost in community. The community of faith needs to be much more deeper than that. One in which we know how deeply and authentically we are doing. And so that means that when I say, hey, how are you? We don't have to just give the answer of, oh, I'm good. Or I'm from the Midwest, so we have a few different types of codes that, you know, like, you're like, well, I'm fine, which means they're not, uh, different things like that. But can we give one another permission to when I ask, hey, how are you doing? to be honest with each other so that we don't lose each other 
in the midst of community. We, as the church, have to do a lot of thinking about the moment that we find ourselves in. And I'm not talking about this church in particular, but I'm talking about the church across the board in this moment in time. I believe that God is doing something. But I also believe that the church, like Jesus' family and those he's traveled with, the church has made a lot of assumptions about where Jesus is, thinking that Jesus is with us, when in reality, we've gone into a motion of doing what we think is best. But I think that God revealing this to us, revealing that we've left Jesus behind, is a good thing and comes out of Jesus's in the Lord's grace and kindness to us as Jesus cares about moving the church more closely into the picture of the kingdom of heaven that is unfolding in our very midst. And so how do we recenter ourselves? How do we go back and find where Jesus is? Well, I think we actually have to follow what Mary and Joseph do in this text. They search around their community. They, one, they address the situation. They realize, as they check with friends and relatives, those in their local context, that Jesus is not there. So that's the starting point, right? We have to realize that Jesus is not with the church. And then what do Mary and Joseph do? They go back to where they came from. They literally turn around. Which isn't that another way of saying they repent? They turn from their action of going further and further from Jesus as they're traveling home, and they turn around. And so once we've realized that in whatever we're doing, whether it be in our worship service or in our small groups or any part of what we think we know as a church, when we realize that, that Jesus isn't at the core of what we're doing, we have, to, we have to repent. We have to turn and change our direction to go back and find Jesus. But I also believe that we have to return to what our church fathers established. We have to turn back into the grounding principles of scripture, of prayer, and of deep and authentic community. And so once we've turned back, we have to be led by the Spirit. Which means, if we are truly being led by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit drops all assumptions. We stop assuming that we know what God is doing. We stop assuming that we know how church is supposed to function. We stop assuming that just because this is what we have always done, 
we stop assuming that that is what we should continue to do. And so, as we drop our assumptions and start to rely on the Holy Spirit, a couple of things are going to happen. One, I am so much more efficient when I assume for myself, right? When I just go by my natural inclination or what I've always done, I can make a decision about where to go a lot faster. Relying on the Holy Spirit to lead us in the direction of where Jesus is is going to take time. It's going to take time, one, to listen and hear the voice. It's going to take time to realize where our next faithful step belongs. And so this morning I want to ask you, are we willing to maybe play a slower game if it means that we end up rediscovering where Jesus is? But we also get to search for where Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit, we find as we search the scriptures, as we search for what it means to be the church, as we search for why it is that being centered on Jesus is so important, as we look at and search for what God is doing in and through his people, when we stop assuming rely on the Holy Spirit, we commit wholeheartedly to prayer. We believe that it isn't just a thing of obligation, but it is a way that we are grounded and centered in our reliance upon God. And the other thing is, Mary and Joseph didn't search by themselves. They had a community that they were searching with. And so, we, as the church, are called to come together to return to Jesus, to go in search of Jesus. Will we be a people, no matter how big or how small, that wholeheartedly believe the importance of what we do is because of Jesus? And here's my mark of how we know that we found Jesus. It's not in the attendance that we have on Sunday morning. As much as our choir is fantastic, it's not in how beautiful their voices sound and how full the choir stands are. It's not about how many pounds of food we deliver as great as that is. What it looks like is if we can take a look at our lives, when we can take a look at the lives of one another and see wholehearted transformation in our lives. Because when you spend time with Jesus, you can't help but be changed. That that is what the cross and the resurrection does. Is it changes our hearts. It changes the way we live. And brings us as a community 
into you, into right relationship with God, into right relationship with one another, and right relationship with creation. And so Mary, when she finds Jesus, she doesn't even understand what Jesus is doing. I have a suspicion that when we, when we recenter ourselves, when we find as the church, when we find Jesus again, we're also not going to have any clue what God is doing. Right? That's another mark of when you know you've recentered on Jesus. You're like, what on earth is happening right now? But let's not let our fear of that unknown drive us away. From his presence. Let's embrace that and trust that Jesus knows what he's up to. That I don't have to know what Jesus is up to. I don't have to know what God is doing. But even that curiosity, it drives me into relationship with Jesus because I'm so curious. I can't, I can't step away. And so, Let us be people. Let us be a church that wholeheartedly goes after the Lord, that is marked by transformation and is not afraid of the crazy things that Jesus is doing in our midst. Let's pray. Lord, we... We are so sorry for the ways that we have wrongly assumed that you are with us, when in reality we have walked away from you. And so, Lord, this morning we repent of the ways that we, that we have assumed in our worship, in our ways of doing church, in our lives, that we know what you're doing and where you are. Help us. Help us to see where you are working, O Holy Spirit. Lead your church. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you don't leave us. And that you, as we get to know you more and more, become a deeper part of our lives. So, Jesus, help us fall more in love with you today than we were yesterday. It is in your name we pray. Amen.